Freedom Center. Uh, I get to teach now. I am so excited that all, what, probably 150 of you came to church today. I'm excited that all, like, 1,050 of you watching by live stream came to church today. Um, I, I think sometimes live stream is a great blessing because people are like, man, I want to, you know, I want to be a part of the church, but I live somewhere else. We moved away. We're on vacation. We're at the hospital. Um, and I think sometimes it's like, hey, it's snowy today. Let's just watch it on TV. So for those of you that couldn't make it today, um, look at those who did and feel ashamed. There you go. God bless you. Just kidding. Just kidding. Glad that you, everybody that made it, really, I, I, we put it out, I think, on social media in several places. Like, hey, don't take any risks. Um, take care of your family. One of the great things about a war is it's made of thousands of battles. And so we're going to fight a battle together today, whether you're here or there or in the air. And uh, so open your Bibles this morning to Proverbs chapter 29. This is a verse we've been digging into recently. Uh, the first three minutes of this message is going to sound a lot like the three, first three minutes of the last two messages. We had a lady get up and walk out on Thursday. She was towards the door because she was, I already heard this one and I was getting ready to walk out. I know you're glad they don't do that when I tell the same joke over and over again. So, uh, and, she, and then we played, saying, oh, that's not the same one. It's something different. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. We're starting this year discussing vision. And there's a couple good reasons why that would be appropriate for us. Number one is this, Proverbs 29, verse 18, Eugene Peterson's transliteration of that verse is this. If people can't see what God's doing, in other words, if we don't perceive, if there's not a revelation, if there's not a, something that, that is a visionary statement that we're connecting to that, that motivates us as a group, as a unit together, if people can't see what God is doing, then they just stumble all over themselves. There's a difference. There's a contrasting statement. There's what God is doing, and there's what people are doing. Sometimes people are doing good things, stumbling all over themselves. But how many of you guys know we want to do what God wants us to do? The vision of this house is obedience. Somebody say amen. If you're watching on live stream, say amen and scare your neighbors, all right? It, there, there's a, we, just, we understand enough to know that we don't understand enough. That's how old we are. We know enough now, confidently know enough now, to know that we don't know enough now. And so our acts of obedience, God calls us to do the impossible, call us to do things that seem mundane, call us to do things that seem impractical. Like all we want to be is on the right side of the line called obedience. So if people can't see what God is doing, then they get a plan of their own and they head in all sorts of different directions and they just trip all over themselves in the dark. But when they attend to what God has revealed, they are most blessed. My job is to get you most blessed. My job is to lead us towards the most blessed. My job is to see what's out there, to hear what God is saying, to lead us, taking all the experiences of decades of ministry and trying to forget them and just listen to what God is saying today. How many of you guys know sometimes 30 years of experience will lead you in the wrong direction? It worked so well 30 years ago, it must still work today. It's not necessarily what Jesus would say. So uh, there's a second reason, and it's simply this. This is from a book called Why is Greater Than What? Uh, there'll be a growing discontentment with a Christianity that tells you what to do and what not to do, but never tells you who you are, never tells you what your purpose is, and then releases you into that purpose in meaningful and corporate ways. So there's a couple of reasons why we're starting this year with vision. One is because we want to be most blessed. We want, we want God's blessings to flow through us into a community around us, into our family, into our businesses, into our adventures, into our vacations, into our Thursdays, into our Saturday mornings, into anything that we're doing. We want to be in the position where God's blessing is unencumbered, uh, unhindered by our disobedience. We want to know what he's doing. We want to do it together. Somebody say amen. Second reason is because I think Christianity is not supposed to be a spectator sport where we read history books about the great Christians of old. We're supposed to be discovering who we are. 
We're supposed to be walking in gifts that God has given us that, that strangely enough, connect to the gifts of the people around us to produce an image, a dot that's connected to other dots that forms an image of Christ. So our vision really has three main expressions. We talked last week about our global vision. If you haven't listened to that message, you should, because one of the things that we're going to go after this year is the world. Not the whole world, but the parts of the world where God has called us. We're going to spend time talking about that. What we're going to talk about today is the local church and what that means to, to us here and the things we're going to be shooting for. And then next week, uh, mark it on your calendars, we're going to talk about the future leaders, the next-gen stuff. I, one of the things I love as a, as a person who's above middle age, unless I'm going to live to be 108, um, is I love walking in the church. I love walking into the prayer meeting beforehand and recognizing that the average age of the person who's praying over this service before it is probably about 20 years old. I love when I, when I see the altars filled with people that still have acne loving Jesus. Somebody say amen. I, I love that there are people that are like, hey, it's too dangerous to go on the roads today, but our kids don't drive by sight. They drive by faith. And they just kind of loop-de-looped their fishtailed, and they made it here. And this, this room, literally, we had probably 50 people here before service. And the average age of the person here, I would say at least half of them were under the age of 25. I love that this church has made an investment in the next generation. I, I, am, I am looking forward to the day that I hand a baton to some kid. And I go, just have a blast. What do I do? I have no idea. I didn't know when I was your age. I still don't know when I'm my age. Just go have fun, make lots of big mistakes, and hopefully you have good deacons. Amen. But today we're going to talk about the local church. I want to tell you something about our community. Um, Fenton is, is a special place. It's special to me. I have lived all over the world. I lived in the deserts. I've lived in the jungles for a season. I've lived in the mountains. I've lived uh, for short seasons by water. But this is my home on this earth. For 25 years, my wife and I and our two sons have lived 19 of it all in the same house. We just recently moved a year and a half ago. And this place has a special something for us. This is a, this is a promise being fulfilled of, a, of a places we can put down roots. My wife was raised in the same home for 18 years, went to college, and then that home was sold and she never was able to come back. We've lived here seven years longer than my wife's previous home, if you will. Um, one of the neat things that's happening here is in this town that God told me to never call little. I said, somebody asked me to help him in Italy. I said, listen, I'm just a small pastor from a small town leading a small church. I, don't, I think you got the wrong person. That night, God literally, and I, I think as if I got a spanking from the Holy Spirit, you know what I'm talking about? If you have, and you're like, doesn't make sense. If you have, you're like, oh yeah. I, I still got like finger marks on my butt, right? I, 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 that night, we were commissioning young people to go off to Mongolia and China and all parts of the world, and I, I just very clearly heard the Holy Spirit say, don't ever say that you're a small pastor. Don't ever say Fenton's a small town. And don't you ever call Freedom Center Church a small church again. I don't call it that, and you shouldn't call that either. I just said, yes, sir. How many of you guys know sometimes the right response is yes, sir? Even if you disagree, which I didn't, but it's sometimes if your dad's that mad, it's like, yes, sir. We'll deal with this later. And so I've been looking at this place as something larger, and it is. This place has become, uh, for many people, kind of a prototype. Uh, we're a little bit atypical in our community. We're a little bit atypical in our structure. We're a little bit non-normal. Uh, you're, you're beautifully, powerfully weird. I love that about you. You're not afraid. We make a lot of changes around here. We've changed the name of the church I don't know how many times. Uh, it was Fenton Assembly of God. Then it was First Assembly of God. And then it was the Freedom Center. And then the Internet came along in like 1947. And we named it uh, Freedom Center Church because everybody was looking for a church in Fenton and the Freedom Center didn't have the name church in it so nobody could find us. 
And so we changed it to Freedom Center Church. We had a huge meeting. Everybody got together. We voted on it. No, we didn't. We just changed it. And that's one of the weird things about this church is I don't care what it's called. I care what it is. I care what it does. I care who it loves. I care about its depth. I don't care about its marketing. And so we, uh, we've been enjoying this. And today I'm going to talk to you about six things, three things that are going to be happening from this church, outside of this church, in local churches all over the United States. The second thing I'm going to talk about is the three things that I, of, of a dozens of things we could talk about that deal with this here today. Let's talk about this, the larger influence. The number one thing that comes to mind when I think about the influence of this church is what's happening right now with that, that giant Star Wars looking piece of technology in the back. Is that as we're, see, as we're speaking right now, this is being broadcast. Um, if everything's still working and everything's still plugged in, everything and the satellites are still moving, um, everything is, is being broadcast all over the place. I literally had at a wedding Friday, I'm not going to say who it is, but it cracked me up. A pastor walked up to me at a wedding and said, I got in trouble in essence, because of you. And I'm like, well, that doesn't surprise me. You shouldn't hang out with people to get you in trouble. And I, don't, I know him through a friend. He's dear friends of a dear friend of mine. And he said, I, I'll be sitting in my church service. He's a youth pastor on staff in another state at another church, and you don't know him. But during the pastor's sermon, sometimes if he gets bored, he logs onto this sermon. And one day he, he, he hit it, and the volume was turned up, and his earbud wasn't plugged in. And as the pastor was speaking, suddenly you started singing in the background of this worship service, and he very spiritually rebuked the, the student next to him. You shouldn't listen to your phone in, in church, you know. Um, we have people in China that are part of our worship services. Japan, we've heard many times, all over the world. But I think one of the things that really excites me, one of the, one of the most exciting things, is not just what happens on the other side of the ocean, but it's the dozens of people in our community now that went online and said, churches in Fenton. And they're joining us right now. This is a good Sunday to just join us online. People are being recommended. The number one way that people end up here now, I say, how'd you get here? It used to be like nine times out of 10. I was invited by Desi Maynard. Desi, was, I work with Desi, and Desi said, you should come and be a part of this church. And Matt Whalen said, that was great. Bob and Jen Strigleck, like a walking commercial for, for Fenton Assembly, First Assembly, Freedom Assembly, Church of God with Signs and Fire following Temple Tabernacle, whatever the name was that week. And now I say, how'd you get here? They said, you were looking, we looked online for a church and we saw you guys doing your thing and thought we want to be a part of what God's doing here. Online church. We average about 5,000 views per week on this service. That's, that's a lot more people that are in the room right now. It plays a vital role um, when people look for God, when people look for the church. So we're gonna be pointing our, our hearts towards this this year. We really have not put a lot of promotion, if you will, or paid a few bucks to get it out there more. We're just letting it happen. It's happening beautifully. Um, I, I just got a, a text from an 82-year-old uh, in Florida that said, this is my church. I, I'm shut in. I, I, I watched this. Uh, we just buried uh, a good friend of ours, Jesse Moutre, this last week. One of my favorite pictures of Jesse. He's sitting up in his, in his hospital bed. He's not able really to use his arms anymore. The screen's open. He's got these giant headphones on, and he's watching the, the service. How many guys know this is a powerful ministry of this church? It reaches out in so many different ways. Um, people have driven from Georgia and Florida and Mississippi and Alabama to come be a part because they're a part of it elsewhere. They come up here. Dozens have been saved, and we've got something called 10 by 10s. There are 10 videos. You'll see it at the end of the service today. There's 10 videos that last 10 minutes or less that talk about how to find a local church. What is the Bible? What's prayer? Who's the Holy Spirit? How do you know you're going to heaven? And there, there's 10 videos like that that lead people into a discipleship relationship. How many of you guys know we want them to find us online, but we want them to find a church home? 
We want them to find. It, it's good to, to have a church that you can go to and be a part of online, but it's better to have a family that loves Jesus around you. So um, there's a community of people that have really developed. There's about 200 people that watch every week that communicate with everybody else. Hey, how's it going? Like the church service is going on and they're talking in church. Probably happening right now. They're typing in church. Hey, good point. Hey, he's talking to you. Hey, shut up. He's talking. This is going on right now. How many of you guys know this is a church for me? I can talk and not get in trouble. I love that. This is good. So the second thing we're going to talk about beyond the online church is church planting. Now, you may be looking at that saying, what does that beautiful gazebo have to do with church planting? This is what's happened. In the last year, we've been instrumental in helping five different churches plant in the state of Michigan. We've been there for them. That gazebo, that, that huge picnic table that seats 75 people is an outdoor church in Mexico town in Detroit. And what's been there is called Courage Church, Pastor Jacob Bender, and before him, Chili Chilton. They've reached out to the community with backpacks and groceries and Christmas gifts and all the outreach stuff. But what they're finding is this. People will show up, but there's a certain, there's a certain um, shame, if you will. There's a certain humility. You know, like, oh, I, I can't afford gifts for my kids. Give me the gifts. And they don't want to walk back through those same doors. They, they just feel, it feels awkward. So they came up with this idea. Let's build a picnic table, a, a city block long, which is a half a city block long. Our youth went there and built the table, helped build the awnings. A concrete company put the slab underneath it. They built the fence around it. They hung the lights on it. And that is now an outdoor church. The first week, they had 10 people from the community show up to have dinner. And there's a fee. You can't just come for free. This is the fee. You have to bring a, a dish to pass, a friend who's never been before, or a story to tell. The second week, they had 20. The third week, they had 30. Now, in the winter, about 60 people gather every week on a Wednesday night with a dish to pass, a friend who's never been before, or a story to tell. And most often, the stories they tell are of the answered prayers they prayed from the week before. This is what God did. My, my friend got out of jail. My son survived the car accident. I got a job. I've been clean for a week. Those sorts of testimonies. And that community around those picnic tables has become, it's now a church it's, it's not a part of a church. It's not a ministry of a church. It's literally a freestanding, independent church in the city of Detroit doing something that's never been done before. We will be helping plant a, a congregation in Saginaw that as of right now is planning to meet inside of a mall. One of the, the mall in Saginaw is suffering. So for 600 bucks a month, they've opened up. It used to be like a jeans store or something. So now the, uh, we're used to try on clothes is now a confessional booth. I don't know, but it's, it's right in the middle of that. And, uh, and so the mall walkers are out doing their thing. Uh, we've got family room churches we helped plant this last year. And of course, Thursday night they were here. They can't be here today. But uh, the, the Isaacs, Caleb and Jenny, planted in Schwartz Creek, right in the middle of the Performing Arts Center. Um, and, and so we are all about helping people plant churches. Somebody say amen. I am so grateful for the local church because the local church changed my life. And there isn't a good local church in every community in Michigan yet. There's still places like Farmington Hills, like Bloomfield Hills, like Southfield, that doesn't have an Assemblies of God church. Isn't that shocking? I mean, communities that have tens of thousands of people that live in them and not a single church like, like ours, if you will, where people can go and be a part of. So we're gonna be helping plant churches in those areas. Detroit, Flint, uh, there's some talk about some planters in Pontiac, and we are, we are hooking up, if you will, with, with visionary people to plant, if all goes according to plan, another 11 churches in 2020. How many of you guys will pray for that? 
So we're going to be helping them. We're going to be helping them with people. We're going to be helping them with resource and money. We're helping them find their properties. We're helping them figure out insurances. We're helping them develop their systems. We're becoming a family because how many of you guys know sometimes being a pastor can be a little lonely, but being a church planter pastor is definitely lonely. It's, it's all on you. The toilet's plugged. Whose fault is it? It's got to be the pastor's fault. Whose job is it to, to unplug it? It's the pastor's. The lawn needs mowing. It's the pastor's. There are literally right now about half a dozen empty or soon-to-be-empty properties that are debt-free in Michigan that, were, that are churches, that are closing. And we're wanting to put church plants and revitalizations into those areas. And so we're going to be calling on you guys in 2020 to play your part in this. And some of us should go to these churches. Some of us should lead these churches. Some of us, some of you are like, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be a pastor. I think one of the greatest qualifying things that you could say about being a pastor is I don't think I should be one. Sometimes you're right, but sometimes, you know, I don't think I should be a giant slayer. That's probably something that you should say before you go fight a giant like, I got this. No, you don't. But if God's got this, you you might eat dinner tonight. If not, you'll be eaten, you know? Um, Next thing that's outside of us but it's important to us is church revitalization. I mentioned um, a moment ago that there's about half a dozen churches that will be or have been closed in the Michigan district. And they're an hour away, 45 minutes away. Some are way up north. They're hours away. But one of the things we have a heart for is this. We believe that every community needs a freedom center in it. Every community needs a rock in it. Every community needs a river in it. Every community needs a St. John's in it. Every, every community needs some place we can go when the next 9-11 happens just so we can say our prayers. Every church needs a place where kids can go and, and find a place where they're loved by people that aren't their parents but love them as if they are. Every place needs uh, a place where if I'm hurting and I don't know what to do, if I'm so drunk I can't go home one more time uh, like this to my wife, I need a place that I can go until I can sober up. I we all need people that love Jesus and love us. Somebody say amen. And there are communities where there are people that went in with great hearts 50 years ago or maybe 50 months ago, but, but something evaporated, something didn't work, something broke. And we want to be a part of revitalizing those. We're part of a movement called the Assemblies of God. It's got about 13,000 uh, local churches in it. But something you may not know about those 13,000 churches is, is that about 1%, so um, 3 million people, would point at an Assemblies of God church and say, that's my church. About 1% of Americans go to an Assemblies of God church. Is that weird? That freaks me out a little bit because it seems like a very small local group of people, but it's actually quite an organization that's doing some amazing things. I say that because I think one of the things we could miss when we say 1% of Americans pointed at AG Church and say, that's my church, is that really it's comprised mostly of small congregations. About 70% of Assemblies of God churches have 100 people or less in Sunday morning attendance. About 85% of them have 200 people or less in total Sunday morning attendance. So it's a large movement of small churches. I think that's a pretty cool thing already. We're we're a little bit of an anomaly um, in that. About 2% of AG churches have 1,000 people or more that would call that, uh, that would be there on a Sunday morning. So we are in a great place and God's doing great things. Somebody say amen. I love it. So, but one of the things that happens in a smaller church dynamic, how many guys ever been a part of a church that was 100 people or less? So you know, if the Jones family gets sick or moves or gets laid off or leaves, that's, that's a bad thing because the Jones family was the family that led worship, taught Sunday school, shoveled the snow, gave 25% of the income, and now they're gone. So most of these churches are literally like one or two or three families away from being in real serious trouble. One of the things we want to do in 2020, I'm announcing to you today for the second time, Thursday was the first time, you're now hearing it as a second group of people and now by default, the entire world. So don't tell anybody. This is a secret just between us. 
We're gonna start doing things called revite teams, revitalization teams, revite teams. We're gonna loan to other congregations what they need because sometimes it's, it's as simple as somebody speaking on Sunday morning. We've got some killer speakers sitting around this church this morning. We have people that can speak better than me that are sitting listening to me right now. Somebody say amen. We've got people that can lead worship that, that are gonna sit in a pew on Sunday morning because it's like I, you know, I play guitar and I sing, but I, I don't play that style. I play hymns. I play the organ. I'm an organ donor. Whatever it is, right? We, we wanna send you as revitalization teams for a month or six weeks or eight weeks, whatever the need is, to help people. And I'll give you an example of why this is so powerful. It was about three years ago, we sent a, a missions team. It was a family missions team to the thriving metropolis of Cadillac, Michigan. There was maybe, what would you say, maybe 40, 50 people total that went. Um, We did uh, construction during the day, and we did children's ministry at night for one week. One week. They had one bathroom in the church. It was upstairs and was adjacent or connected to the main auditorium. Now, I want to be close with the people I worship with, but there is such a thing as too close. And so we, we built a second bathroom and put a door and that second bathroom, now they had men's room and ladies' room, so there was a candle in one and not in the other. You know what I'm talking about. There was doilies in one, and there was, you know, wallpaper with dead deer on it in the other one. There was, you know, uh, the notebook playing in one and Braveheart playing in the other. You can choose which one this is, right, designed around that. The other thing we did is we went down to the basement, and we filled up a dumpster with all the, the attempts through the years to change children's ministry. There was wooden paneling because back in the 70s, wooden paneling was what you went to Kmart and bought, and you, you did it. And then there was drywall that happened in the 80s, and there was concrete block, and there was, there was the facade stage, and then there was the puppets, and then there was the carpet, and then there was the carpet tile, and then there was the soft floor. How many guys know what I'm talking about? There's like an evolution of children's ministry. How many guys know what I'm talking about? The problem was every time they evolved, they never removed the old. They, it was like an archaeological dig. As we excavated certain layers, we were in the 70s at the bottom and we, when we hit concrete, and that's where all the gold nuggets were. So we stripped everything, filled up a dumpster with just stinky old grandma's feet smelling stuff, and we came in, we put down all brand new carpet, painted everything, patched all the walls, put in some kind of cool lighting, built a stage. Well, in that one week's time and reaching out during the night, doing a vacation Bible school, Pastor Les and his team did that. The men, led by Tony Brown, went after the construction, men and women, and repainting things. Because of that, that church went from kind of a struggling church. They're now running double services, and I met with them last fall because they want to plant a satellite campus outside of Cadillac. They, they needed a hand up. Does that make sense? They needed to be revitalized. They needed help. They needed a few thousand dollars. They needed a handful of people with gifts. And what we consider a normal, fun family vacation or a short missions trip or, or an adventure for six or eight weeks literally is the difference between a church kind of doing this and doing this. And so we're going to be doing that in 2020. And I tell you that because you're going to be a part of it. I'm going to come to this, this church on a regular basis and say, who can do blah, blah, blah. Okay, go meet with Pastor Carl out in the foyer week because you're going to take off for the next few weeks. You'll be careful about raising your hand in church from now on, won't you? But we have, there's, there's a need for leadership training. There's, there's a need for pastoral care. There's a need for architecture. There's a need for gutting the joint and painting over 1970. There's a need. And so we are going to be giving ourselves away as revitalization teams in 2020. Somebody say amen. All right. Let's go on. Let's talk about in-house. Now, where are these people going to come from? They're going to come from groups. I, I love the groups ministry. Small groups or where everybody gets discipled. So I got discipled at Bible school. No, you didn't. You got discipled in your dorm room talking about your professors with your buddies. I got discipled by my grandmother. That's a pretty small group, but it's a group. We don't, let me say it this way. You can get really smart in a big room, but you'll never get wise. Wisdom requires friction. You can learn all about love 
But being taught about love and being tested in love are two completely different things. You can be healed in a tent crusade with 30,000 people under a giant circus tent, but she won't be made whole in a room with 30,000 people in it. That happens when there's enough trust and enough relationship and enough grinding and enough sparks that, that literally it's, we're evolving, we're changing, we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds in community. So there's certain things that happen really well in rows. That's why we have rows set up today. But there's things that God does in circles that he does not do in rows. Do you know this? Do you see this? One of the things that I, I learned a long time ago, we had about 30 guys to my house for breakfast several years ago, all men. And I just said, guys, I invited you to my home because I want more of you. I want people like you to be just running rampant around this church. I want you, how did you become you? What was the curriculum? What was the season? What was it? And to a man with zero exceptions, every one of them said this, I was a part of a group of men. I was a part of a group of men. I'm still a part of a group of men. We've moved away since then, but I'm still a part of a group of men. Again, that wedding I went to was kind of funny. Half the people were from other parts of the United States and where they met and the reason they came from Virginia and from Florida and from Ohio is because they were part of a, a young marriage class many years ago. Their children are grown now and getting married, but they came together because they were part of a young marriage class years ago. Hear me. The deepest relationships I've ever formed were formed because I got into a small group and I got honest with people around me. I went from being a listener in a classroom to a teacher because I actually knew the answer to that. I, I actually tripped over that. I have the scars to prove it. Can I show you what I've learned through my experience? Counsel that comes in a small group is different than counsel that comes through a large group. I'm shooting you right now with a floodlight. I'm shooting you with a shotgun, like a pilgrim shotgun. You know what I mean? But when you get into a small group, people actually have what you need. I, I love this lady right here. This is Kimberly. And uh, no single mom walks alone. Hashtag, she leads uh, a group here, another group in Flint, and I think they're starting a third group, if I'm not mistaken, uh, elsewhere. Um, beautiful story. I, literally, I've, I've, I've been tempted many times to have Kimberly just sit up here on a chair with Dina and I talking to her. It comes out of a, a, a Muslim uh, background and marriage and beautiful kids. And I remember her going through our membership class uh, and our first steps and all that kind of stuff. And I was saying to her, you know, listen, you're, you're not here in this class because you, you want to be indoctrinated. She's very intelligent. You're here because you want to get involved. So I drew three circles. What's your passion? What's your pain? What's your proficiency? And where those three circles would overlap like an Olympic flag, I said, what is that? She said right away, she goes, it's, it's single moms. I want to minister to single moms. Someday when I am ready... I'm going to have groups so that people know they're not alone. I'm going to have groups for support. We're going to pray together. We're going to be like family. We're going to celebrate. We're going to mourn together. We're going to rejoice together. Like, we're going to be like family. Kimberly, I think that's a great goal. But how many guys know every 100 people that say they have a dream, about 90 never do anything about it? About 10 get started and quit. You know, of those 10 that were left, about seven of them get started and quit. And about three actually do it. Kimberly's one of my three. She said, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do, and it's going to be awesome. Guess what? That's who she is. That's what she's doing, and she's awesome. And I'm so excited about that. Financial Peace, another one of our groups being taught by, I'm going to co-teach it with a guy named Dave Ramsey. Maybe you've heard of him. He's a little known, but I'm famous. And, uh, and uh, Dave's a nationally known. We use his curriculum, and by video, him and his team are going to teach us how, how to be wise with our finances. I was so excited. You know, you hear the radio station, and somebody goes, hey, I'm debt-free. You go, oh, good for them. Complete stranger. What's for lunch? But in this class, we had one of the families literally pay off their last debt. And they said, hey, we got something to share with the class. And they look kind of giddy. And I'm like, oh, they're going to have a baby. I hope they're married. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. 
And uh, they, don't go to, they didn't go to our church, but they came to the class. And I said, what, what's, what's your announcement? Is it a boy or a girl? Name it, Jim. You know? And, and they said, we are completely debt-free. Now, that's like a yay, but it wasn't. That class had been talking about debt and strategizing and praying in faith and helping each other. When they said that, you would have thought they said, you know, it's better than we won the lottery. It's, it's, it, it was like something that was dead came back to life. It was like a miracle. And the class, I mean, people stood up and they hugged each other and they high-fived because the men don't hug. And, and there were like tears in people's eyes. We were so happy for them. Well, that, it's to, to accomplish that in community. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like there's, they, we're going to have groups that take the Sunday morning notes and go through them. And, you know, let's, let's digest that. Let's, how does that apply to our lives? What's pastor talking about? Do I want to be a part of a Revite team or whatever the topic was the Sunday before? We've got a men's group that meets at 5.30 in the morning for older men because you had to get up to go to the bathroom anyway. You might as well drink coffee and talk about Jesus with other old guys. And, uh, and, but we have groups all over. We've got like 40-some groups that have about 70% of the church's congregational attendance attending. About 70% of our Sunday morning attendance is now involved in a small group. That's healthy, guys. So one of the things we're going to be shooting for this year, we're going to be coming to you regularly saying, are you a part of a group? Are you part of a group? Listen, Pastor Carl doesn't get paid more if it's 74%. Then if it's 64%, this is not, nothing's in it for us. What's in it is for you. We want you years from now to get together with the young marriage classes. The children that came out of those young marriages are now getting married and say we're still best of friends because we walk this life together. You need that. It's an important part of your process. You guys still here? All right. Uh, creative arts. Pastor Kyle had a heart attack the other day and we caught it on film. This is a shot from Thursday night, and uh, if you were not here Thursday night, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I don't, I'm not saying this like you missed it and you should be here every Thursday night or every time we open the doors, but, but Pastor Kyle, he's getting married the very next day, so this was a good distraction for him, but he, he put down his guitar, he grabbed the microphone, he backed away, and he belted out notes. I, I saw some in the third row go like this, I thought, what's wrong? His lung flew out of his mouth and slapped this lady in the side of the head. It was, it was incredible. But one of the things that God has put on their heart to do is to write original music, music for this house, music about what God's doing here. Just, just like a sermon should have a, a, an address attached to it and a people and a time, so our worship can have that same thing. And so we've kind of removed him from all the you know, scheduling this and training that. We just, just you and your team write music. And so for this year, and they already have probably, I don't know, five or six original songs, a Christmas song we just got done singing. But they're, they're going to write an entire album of worship music about what God is doing, what God wants to do in the nations, what God is doing here among you, what God's doing in families and in businesses and faith. And he's going to take sermon titles, and we're going to write that. And then um, Easter season of 2021, we are going to record our very first live album that will be distributed as a gift to the world. And I'm so excited about creative arts. I'm so excited about that giant vein. It, that's not a snake on the side of his head. That's a vein that's just bugging out. And, and what's in front of us, original music, and just, just taking the songs of our heart and sharing them. How many guys have been blessed by songs that were sung somewhere else, right? It's, it's our turn in this. And, and let's, let's talk about this, the last one here. It's just outreach. I put this picture up because I just think it's so cool. You may recognize the cross swords. That's the entrance to Baghdad. And if you can read what's on the shirts, it says the Lighthouse Experiment. Those are soldiers in Baghdad. Um, some of our people here, that's, uh, that's their brother. And uh, they arranged that picture. But we have a ministry, amongst others, called the Lighthouse Experiment. It's for people that are struggling as first responders with what they've seen, police officers, EMTs, firemen, uh, military veterans. Sometimes it's hard to unplug from something. Did you imagine 
being involved in some of the things they're involved in, and I won't get graphic and tell you some of the stories, but just, just to go home from that and walk to the door and, and be okay eating dinner now with your family. We can, we can develop these compartments of our emotions, but how many of you know sometimes a compartment gets full? And when it does, it doesn't seem to spill nicely. It seems to spill sloppy, aggressively, or, or uh, through depression or addiction. And so um, a group of people who are veterans and first responders got together and said, you know what? We're tired of hearing our, our friends' marriages being destroyed. We're tired of hearing about addiction. We're tired of hearing about suicide. We're tired. And so they developed the Lighthouse experiment. And through that, there's a podcast. Through that, people are getting connected. There are people in this room right now, I won't embarrass you, but you're here because of that ministry. I just think it's awesome that a local ministry is in Baghdad. I think that's one of the coolest pictures. I had never seen it before. I was asking Dana, do we have some pictures of maybe some of our outreach ministry? And she showed me that. I said, that one, neat. That one belongs on my wall. That one belongs in my heart. We're going to be doing the, the holiday outreaches. I love the back to schools. I love the Thanksgiving baskets. I love the, uh, the Christmas gifts for the kids. We're going to be doing our special holiday services right here. Um, we have members of our staff. The reason they're here today serving God and loving Jesus is because they sat right over there and they, they heard the gospel portrayed in a creative way on a holiday. Um, it's a beautiful thing. The last thing just to talk about, just, and I, again, how many of you know I can sit here for an hour and talk about the ministries of the church? I won't do that because according to my watch, I only have 27 minutes left. Just see if you're paying attention. But ECO, the Engaged Community Organization, used to be known as Fenton Challenge. But again, we like changing names. Only smart people can follow us when you move. So we, uh, we have Engaged Community Organization, or ECO, led by the Lays. And man, I tell you what, I have seen such a beautiful evolution in, in what that has become. It's, it's, this, it's like a church within a church. Business people are coming, learning about business practices and conferences and stuff. But just, I, I don't think, I, I think it's okay that I share this story, but I was in one of the meetings and the breakfasts. John, it's probably okay, right? You're part of that group. But we were sitting there and people who don't attend the church, and, and I'm kind of wondering where some of them, you know, where you're at with God, what's really going on in your lives. We're talking about doing business conferences. One of them says, can I say something? You know, you're going to either way. You're an entrepreneur. Go ahead. What, what do you want to say? And he, he said, can we make the conference less about business and more about Jesus? Can we just do that once? Because I think, I think the secret to success in everything is the blessings of God. I think that what people really need to hear is hope and courage and faith, but not, not as words, but as a person that gives us hope and courage and faith. And Do you think we could not just interweave it with a speaker or two, but what if, what if every speaker's goal was to point people to Jesus? How many of you guys know that when the people you're trying to reach are now telling you you need more Jesus in what you're doing? That's a pretty good day. It's like, well, if you guys want to do that, we all look at each other like, did that just happen? That eco, that, that desire to, to serve has expressed itself with our teachers where they go out with coffees and meals before conferences, 5K races and partnering with people that are paddles for paws where we kayak across Lake Panema to the other side to raise money for dog shelters. Just, we're just partnering with our community. And, and I love that, I love that, I love that, that I, I just had a tooth break on the other day. That's not what I love. Let me start over again. I love something. It's not my broken tooth. I broke my tooth, went to my dentist who comes to this church on a Thursday as part of the, the business networking international group that we host here. Takes up a whole section, like 60 people, largest BNI in Michigan. And uh, he, he, it's a five-minute procedure to chip away, grind away, put some, like, like smells like a woman's nails, like a nail polish stuff or whatever, put an ultraviolet light, grind some more and send me out the door. But, but it took half an hour because he wanted to talk to me about the Freedom Center. I'm sorry. 
10 burpees. Freedom Center Church. You have to do 10 burpees. I can't do 10 burpees. I can burp 10 times, but I can't do 10 burpees. It's, it's, evidently, it's different. Um, he just said, what, what, what's happening in the business and my practice and how are you and what's the... I mean, he, he was an old friend because of the outreach ministry of the church. Let me tell you something, guys. There's a time to stand up and declare the gospel and call people to repentance. But there's a time to love your community to Jesus. I'm loving what I'm seeing. So in 2020, we're going to go for it. Listen, 2020 is the year the church takes its place if you're going to take your place in and through the local church. Just stand to your feet. Nobody leave. Ushers, lock the doors. Deacons, write down names of those who trespass. I was uh, 29 years old, uh, first and prayerfully my last senior pastorate. And we just had a board meeting where it all blew up. I had failed this church terribly. I had failed God terribly. I was, I was uh, sad. I was broken. I did everything I knew how to kind of keep everybody happy and try to make changes. But I just know when, you've never, when you're passionate but you're dumb, bad things can happen. So we made all these big changes. And sometimes if you turn the car a little too fast, people just go flying out the doors. And I and, uh, wasn't wise enough to know the difference at the time. And I remember um, one of my deacons at the time, a good friend who passed away last week, he, uh, he got up from his side of my desk and came around my side of the desk. He put his hand on my shoulder. And this is what Jesse Mutre said to me. He said, you're too young and you're too dumb to realize that this may be one of the greatest days of your life. When you walk up to the pulpit this Sunday, you will walk up for the first time as the pastor of this church. We're behind you. Get a dream, get a vision, and we'll follow you to the gates of hell with a squirt gun. Just go lead. I stand here now about 24 years to the day later than, than that meeting. And I, and I look at you and I say this to you. I believe that Fenton needs a great local church. I think it needs 20 of them. So we're going to help plant all the great local churches we can in our community. Somebody say amen. The pastor, if there's another church, I really need more churches. We need more churches. I can explain it to you, but we need more churches. There's 13,000 people living in the city. There's 1,000 that come here from all sorts of different cities. We need about 10 more really solid churches in our community today. Somebody say amen. But around us, in, in Byron, I mean, all 12 people in Byron need Jesus, right? Cahokta, places, I mean, we're, we're strategizing now. How do we plant in rural communities where there's really no, I mean, the congregation's goal to become 30 people would be a lofty goal. How do we, how do we fund those things? What about the buildings? What about the insurances? Who's going to be a qualified pastor? We're working out the details with all sorts of people. Revitalization, developing people in groups, and getting them healthy and strong so they can become a blessing outside these four walls. Outreach. This is, this is 25, 24 years later, I, I'm still following those same instructions. Just lead and, and we'll figure it out. We'll catch up. So if I'm too far ahead of you, I don't apologize. Catch up. I'm not ready. You don't know what you're ready for. No one knows what they're ready for until they're tested. I could never lead a group. Lead a group and find out if that's true or not. Pastor Carl will teach you how to do it. Right, Pastor Carl? Right on. I don't care if you're a mime. You can lead, you know, the, the group. Just, just talk about walls and doors and, you know. You got more in you than you think. Take the time to share it, and God will take the resource to develop it. 
So Father, I pray in Jesus' name for this congregation as we stand on the, just the, the first few steps of a brand new year. Help us to take our place. Help us to take our place. Maybe we're too young. Maybe we're too dumb to realize that these are the greatest days of our life still. But God, I, I pray with a dream in my heart to reach the city and to reach many, many cities around it, God, through it. I, I just pray, God, let 2020 be the greatest year, the greatest year of investment and fruitfulness and seed planting and people sending and church revitalizing and planting and missions and believing in our young people. And God, we just, man, I've always wanted to go to a church like the one that I see in my heart, God, and the one I see with my eyes. And I pray your blessings all over her, all over her, God. Bless your church. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Listen, I, I know you might have come here today like, man, I, I braved Snowmageddon 2020 because I, I came here looking for God. I appreciate everything you said about the church, but I, that isn't why I'm here. I came here today to get right. I came here today to find him. I came here today because I need him. And I, I don't know, it just makes sense to walk through a church door into a, a sanctuary with, with people singing about God like this would be the place. Before you leave today, in 90 seconds, I'm going to dismiss the service, but in the next 85 seconds, can I tell you something really great? When God looked at forever and he saw that you weren't going to be there and I wasn't going to be there, it broke his heart. He didn't create any of us to judge us, to suffer. He created us because there was so much in him to be shared and no one to share himself with. And the thought of a forever without you was just unthinkable. And so he did something unimaginable. He sent his son Jesus to live where we live, to face what we face. And the biggest difference in what Jesus did and what we did is everything that destroyed our lives, everything we gave ourselves to that enslaved us, every time we turned right when we should have turned left, he, he never made one of those mistakes. Tempted in every way you and I are tempted. May never sinned, not once. So when Jesus is executed as a criminal on the cross, it's not because of the jealousy of the Romans or the insecurity of the Pharisees. It's, it's because of the sins of Jim. He takes my place uh, being judged where I, I was supposed to be judged. I was supposed to be condemned. I was supposed to suffer. Jesus said, I'm here because when my father looks at forever and you're not there, it breaks his heart. And so he dies for me. And he died for you. Three days later, he defeats the final thing that's defeated all of us or will someday. And that's death. He comes back from the dead. The firstborn among many who will rise from the dead and live for all eternity with Jesus in heaven with his father. Now when God looks at eternity, he's not, he's not there, if you will, by himself. He's there with sons and with daughters. And today, if you would like to join, today, if you'd like to accept, today, if you'd like to relinquish a life that was heading away from God and surrender that life to God, then these next 20 seconds are for you. I'd love the opportunity to pray with you, lead you in a simple prayer. 
Just before I do, though, it's important that you do something by faith. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking. We're 15 seconds away. But here and now, if you're like, see, I'm not right with God, but today I want to become right with God. Today, I don't, I don't want to break the heart of God. I don't want to look at what Jesus did for me as if it wasn't for me or I'm not good enough. Today, I want to accept an offer. Today, I want to concede. Today, I want to give up. Today, I want to come home. Today, I want my heart to be safe and loved and his. Today's the day I, I get rid of my sins. And I, I walk out of this place forgiven. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand in just a moment. Nobody's looking around, just me and you. Today's the day I give my life to Jesus. Raise your hand right now. Yeah, I love this part. I love this part. Say this with me all over this room now. As our, our time closes this morning. Jesus, right here, right now, I'm coming home. Take away everything stands between my heart and yours forgive me and I will be forgiven set me free and I will be free fill me with your Holy Spirit teach me your word I'm grateful for all you are and all you've done for me I'll see you soon amen Yes, you brave snowmageddon. You endured an entire sermon. You enjoyed worship. And people around you came home to Christ. That's a pretty good day. Pretty good day. Altsburgers, would you make your way forward at this time? If you came here like, I, I came here for another reason. It still hasn't been addressed. We'd love to pray with you specifically about what God's doing in your life or what's happening. And uh, there is a guest room right back there. And there's somebody.